Well, the opioid epidemic is one that carries such an incredible weight. It, it shows us just by looking at the, the raw data, the statistics, uh, that this is, this is a crisis. This is something that we should all be paying attention to. And for me, when I look at the, the lives, the families, the people behind every one of those stats, uh, the rippling uh, stoic raw data that shows um, this um, epidemic that's literally killing millions of people across the globe, uh, we should be uh, drawn to awareness. It should move us to do something about it and take action. What I love about the Celebrate Recovery Ministry is we are focusing on this and not just uh, looking at data and grieving that, but trying to make a difference to hopefully create some movement and change. So today we're going to talk about the opioid epidemic with a couple of brothers in Christ. Welcome to Celebrate Recovery Official. This is a podcast that shares life change stories, courage, hope, and leadership wisdom, all centered around the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5 and the Celebrate Recovery principles, where Jesus helps us, empowers us to face our hurts, to address the, the negative core beliefs and hang ups that get us stuck, so that we can address those, those numbing agents, those coping mechanisms that we use in an effort to numb out the pain, uh, those defenses and protections that ultimately create havoc in our relationships in our life. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I'm the global field director of Celebrate Recovery and uh, so good to be here with you today. Uh, I'm excited about uh, this topic today and uh, have a couple great brothers in Christ that have agreed to, to come on and uh, uh, share in a, in a dialogue and we'll be having many conversations around this. We just want to have an initial conversation. We've been having them uh, globally in the ministry, but uh, I've got Nick Olson and Ryan Thackeray. Uh, they're both state reps, um, great men. Uh, Nick is a ministry leader at Mission Bible Church in, in Manuka. I probably said that wrong, Manuka, Illinois. And Ryan is uh, uh, the pastor of Celebrate Recovery at High Point Fellowship in Splendora, uh, Texas. And I'm so glad to have these guys here with me. Welcome, guys. Hey, <laughs> good to have you here. Hey, Nick, why don't you, uh, once we start with you, introduce yourself and then we'll have Ryan introduce himself. Sure. So I am a grateful believer of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm a recovering addict alcoholic. Um, and my name is Nick. Hey, Nick. Uh, Glad you're here, brother. Good? Thank uh, you. Thank uh, Ryan. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ and I uh, celebrate recovery from opioid addiction and codependency. Um, I get the honor of serving as the South Central Regional Director in the Opioid Champions Ministry as well. Awesome. Well, great to have you guys. Thank you guys for making time. Uh, just knowing you guys and your heart um, uh, just makes my heart feel good knowing, especially that you guys are two of the uh, the champions that are uh, leading this front and and trying to uh, accomplish uh, getting the word out and making a difference in this uh, this epidemic, the the opioid epidemic. So, uh, Nick, let's start with you, man. Um, why why are we? I mean, w we know there's some statistics, and maybe you can get into that. Why are we talking about opioids? What can you just kind of give us the why behind this this focus as a ministry? Sure. So. 
opioids seem to be um, something that was not talked about a lot um, in the past, um, but something that is completely plaguing our nation on, and our, our, our globe uh, at a catastrophic uh, rate. Um, what we're looking to do, or, or basically what we're trying to do out of um, the statistics is to bring awareness and uh, prevention uh, and in doing so through faith-based community with CR um, and, you know, providing that education. Uh, the statistics that we're going off of, uh, which are very alarming, um, is that there are 16 million people in the uh, around the world who are struggling with opioids or on opioids, 3 million people in the United States, and the, the really troubling portion of it is the fatalities. So uh, a 2022 stat was that there was 107,000 people that passed away from opioid addiction or um, uh, misuse or um, poisoning. Uh, so we're trying to, to, to work uh, to, like I said, provide prevention awareness and step up to, you know, pass that message along to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean those are those are alarming statistics, and and they're they're changing by the minute, literally, aren't they? I mean that's that's the reality of it. And and again, I it, for our listeners, I just want you to take that in. I mean, sixteen million. You said sixteen million. Now think about that's a lot of people. But then connect those to a spouse, connect them to a child, connect them to a mom or dad or family. You're talking about um, an impact on our church, on our community, on our world, and I just, just, I don't want to just brush by that because sometimes we can we can throw out numbers and we can lose the weight of what we're talking about. These are these are lives of people that are loved and cared about, um, and and I think Nick, maybe you can speak to this before I go to Ryan. Just you know, sometimes we can, um, with addictions in general, right? In in general, we can almost kind of put it on uh, the addict, and it's like, well, if 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 you weren't addicted, then you wouldn't have the the effects of this. What the, this is happening uh, to good people, um, and and they're you know, there's. Yeah, the, the enemy is just so deceiving. It's a reminder of how how deceiving, how um, how much the enemy tries to steal, kill, and destroy. This is happening. I mean, someone might go uh, into the hospital for a surgery and get prescribed something, and and they can get hooked immediately. Can you talk about that just briefly, just just to kind of give us a sense of just how easily we can fall into this in our communities? Sure. So it is just like you said, just that easy. You could take a fall and go into a hospital or to your local practitioner's office, uh, be prescribed a uh, pain medication uh, with an opioid in it. Um, and at the uh, end of that, that cycle, when you're, you know, you should be out of pain, um, you know, you're already set into that addictive, uh, your brain is, it, it wants that. Um, and you know, um, a lot of people, most people have a really hard time of, of, of letting that go. Mm. Um, I think the, um, what happens is what happened with then, you know, if you're 
complaining about still being in pain, um, what they're currently doing and what, what is recommended by the CDC uh, amongst other organizations for prescribers is if they do if they do do a second refill, they're supposed to issue you boxes of Narcan as well or Naloxone uh, so that if something was to happen, because at, on your second refill, they're kind of feeling like you're abusing the medication or you could be abusing the medication. Um, so they want to make sure that if in the event of something happening to you, that um, you have a recovery uh, a tool to, to bring you back. Yeah. So yeah. They, it's it's hard to, for the doctors to get that, you know, that second and they're evaluating and they're busy and, you know, yeah. things like that. So it kind of falls to the wayside sometimes. And that's, uh, that's kind of where it spirals the person out of control. Yeah. 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 And I want to, I want to come back to that to, to educate our listeners for those that may not, um, you know, what, know what the Narcan is and all that. So we'll come back to that in a second, because that's an important part of this discussion. Hey, friends, if you're looking for an additional meeting uh, in conjunction with your in-person meeting, join us every Wednesday at noon Pacific for our online open share. You can connect with people from all over the globe. We have a, a short Devo and a testimony, and then we split up into gender-specific groups so that you have another meeting, a safe space to process your hurts, hangups, and habits. Uh, join us every Wednesday, noon Pacific. Go to CelebrateRecovery.com for the link and more information. We hope to see you this coming week. CelebrateRecovery.com uh, Ryan, I want to go to you, man. And um, this this is a big part of your story, bro. And, and just thinking about from a personal standpoint, um, Tell me, tell me how this came to be uh, an opioid addiction for you, just so we can get a sense of just kind of how that can kind of fall into any of our family members' uh, laps. What, what's that look like in Ryan's life, man? So I was 23, uh, so this was just a couple of years ago, um, and no, I'm just kidding, maybe 15 years ago, <laughs> but, uh, I was 23 and I was hurt at work. I, I, uh, had hurt my neck, nothing just muscular. It wasn't anything in my spine or anything. And, um, got prescribed some opioid pain medicine for my doctor, um, took them as prescribed. And then whenever I got back to work, when I started working again, at the time I was doing electrical work. I saw a guy, you know, it was like the perfect storm. I saw a guy on my job site at break time selling some pills to somebody. And I knew him and I asked him and, you know, in my mind, you know, I always look back at this moment in my life because I just didn't know how addictive opioid prescription pain medicine was, uh, how bad it was going to take me, you know, how quickly. So I said, okay, I'll take a couple here and there. And, uh, within three months, I was already so physically addicted because I had been taking so many doses a day throughout that um, it already had me. I mean, I was completely, um, completely addicted. I mean, it's bad enough that I would miss work or all these different things. I mean, it took me down really fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it that. Yeah. It's and I 
it, what's so is you're sharing, Ryan, I appreciate your vulnerability to, to let me and our listeners into this. I mean, you hurt yourself and you were just trying to find relief for the pain. And there was, you know, you weren't trying to be, um, I'm going to go get this high kind of thing, right? You were just trying to relieve some pain and, and, and just how crazy quick that can get its hooks in you and just even the physical. Tell me about the, the physical aspects. Cause I've heard some different people describe this. Um, if you're trying to come off of those, cause I think it is telling of, of, of how much, uh, it pollutes the body. Can, can you tell me what, um, what is, what when you say my body, I'm feeling the effects, what were some of those things that you're feeling in your body? What, what, what is that doing to Ryan's body, man? Can you paint a picture for us? Yeah, I would, it was hard to look at then, but I would say as soon as my body would start detoxing, which after a period of time would happen really fast, um, within a matter of four or five hours. And with that would come anxiety. Um, um, you know, you deal with stomach issues, obviously your whole body hurts. Um, man, honestly, it's like, you're just drained of everything that makes you happy or even just a normal small level of, of happiness. And it's just leaving you. So all you want to do is relieve that, you know, and, and nothing else I had ever done in my life previous to that gave me that, you know, type of thing. It was just that bad that anytime I, I would try to get off them and it was just, I should have been, you know, I always look back and then I realize now that people really need to get themselves into a treatment center during those times, because what you go through, um, it isn't just that even on the long term, Rodney, it's, uh, it took me three different times. I got off of them over a stretch of six years. And I would say each time without going in treatment, it took me six to nine months to feel normal again. You know, so. Wow. Wow. That's, that's crazy, man. I, that, I mean, that's pretty telling for me just, um, and praise God you were able to get away from that. What, what was that? I mean, so you, you're trying three or four times to, to get yourself off of that. And I mean, seven to nine months, I mean, you feel normal again. At what point did you end up finally go into treatment or what, what, what was the turning point for you, bro? I mean, thank God you were able to turn that corner because a lot of people don't. Um, what, what was the, the, the turning point for you, bro? How did you come on the other side of that? Well, so I, in 2011, I had a, uh, I was at a friend's house and I was probably at the lowest point I'd been at. We were both really messed up. And honestly, I don't have any memory of doing this, but I swallowed somewhere in the vicinity of like 150 to 170 opioids. And my friend found two hours later, my friend breaks down the door pulls me out of a, pulls me out of a bathtub, right? Cause I guess I just fell in the bathtub. I was laying in the bathtub, pulled me onto his couch and he was so messed up. 
that he called my brother instead of calling an ambulance. And my brother got there and I'm he, when he tells me the story, my brother always just said he yelled at my friend because my face was blue and my lips were, you know, going purple and I was barely breathing. Um, and so my brother was assisting in my breathing before the ambulance got there. And then every, all those meds, it had been so long, all of those meds had ingested they weren't able to pump my stomach. So I ended up having to be put on full life support in an ICU. And it took almost four days for my lungs and body to start functioning again on their own. Um, so a big part of my heart from my personal story is just that, you know, this year I get 10 years sober. And this year I will have been serving as a rep for two years. And getting to give back as much as I can. So I look out at our community and I think how many people are there struggling with opioids who are the next guy that's going to start helping everybody or lady or anyone. Um, so, and I would love to say that that was the major turning point. Um, you know, but the truth is it was a few years later and it was because, uh, I had someone in my life that had planted some seeds uh, in my life about celibate recovery, um, that eventually God watered and I came to the place where I was ready to surrender. And that was July 8th of 2014. Wow. Well, praise God for that, man. Um, and, and that's, and I think that you bring up a great point that, you know, we, we're all a part of celibate recovery and, and it, it's a resource for us and, you know, treatment, um, may be needed, you know, use the medical side of that. If you need that, you know, there's no need in trying to fight that yourself, white knuckling it, but, um, the celibate recovery is a great uh, space to, to process and kind of get to the root of that and find some true healing. But I think, I thank God that, that, um, you're here with us today, brother, knowing who you are. Um, and our listeners may not know who you are. I know several do, especially down in the South central region. But, um, for those that don't, um, man, you're just a good guy and, and you make such a difference and, and you're, you're doing a wonderful job there in Splendora, Texas, but praise God that, that you're here, man. But again, before I go back to Nick, um, this, this, uh, you're in recovery, um, but then this kind of hit another angle of uh, your family, man, and and uh, in a very real way. Uh, I wonder if you might uh, let us into that, man, and just uh, the ripple effect that you saw uh, with another family member. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in 2017, uh, you know, we knew my niece had been struggling with, with drugs for a long time. And I had been sober for a good while at this time, I guess four years. So I had been trying to reach out and she'd come to CR a little bit, but you know, it kind of gone back out. And, uh, so July 12th of 2018, um, she was with some friends and a camper in just a town just right off Slendora and she was overdosing and they left her. They left her in the camper and, uh, she passed away, um, in that camper, you know, um, and the 
crazy part about about that was is you know we were going through all this you know it was a horrible time for my family and it was just tragic and it was really hard to to start beginning to navigate through but we literally found out that the time that they had set our time of death you know that day from from that day was the same day that a member of celebrate recovery was speaking on that particular subject um, at the Celebrate Recovery Summit. And uh, so we ended up a month later, uh, my brother had said some things and put some things out on Facebook. And so they actually shared that. And I mean, it's amazing how God works, even through maybe the hardest moment of your life. Um, but I had so many, I had hundreds and hundreds of people reach out and tell me how much her story meant that, that he had shared at the summit. And I got to share that with my brother. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been very real and, a and, a um, you know, I, when I do this, this trying to, to help with the opioid epidemic and about awareness and prevention from overdose, you know, her, my relationship with her is always on my heart. Wow. Yeah. So this is, you know, it's, it's, it is, it should be enough for us. I mean, those that may not be directly connected, it should be enough to just uh, hear that story, but to, to hear the statistics and to see uh, how this is just, you know, like a wildfire roaring through our, our country, our world uh, and literally taking um, someone's sister, someone's cousin, someone's mom, dad, etc. Um, it should be enough looking at the statistics, but this is personal uh, for you, man. And and um, I love the passion. Um, you're not wasting that hurt, and you're really trying hard to get the word out. So I, I just want to say thank you, bro, for for what you're already doing uh, in this space um, to help get the word out. We're going to have to hit a pause button there for a second. Um, too much information to cover in this one episode. So we're going to cover part two next time. But I hope this is in, intriguing for you, prompting something in your heart to maybe lean in and, and ask yourself, how can I be a part of this? And if you're in the middle of your addictions, to maybe just know and hear that you're not alone, that we'd love to join you in this mission at a local ministry. If you want to find a ministry near you, just go to CelebrateRecovery.com and you can find a group near you. Don't face this alone. We're in this together and we'd love to have you visit us at a local in-person meeting. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you'll join me next time. Until then, God bless.